Good afternoon all, hope you're all well, hope you can all hear me, as you will notice this is the first remote tuning it over, I uh, didn't want to miss a show because we missed Monday because we had some technical issues and I was on the road uh, coming back from Centre Parks with my family, uh, whereas we've got some great news very recently that my sister um, has had her firstborn, so I'm an uncle for the first time, uh, those of you that don't know I'm a dad of, of twins that are nine months old just turned nine months old uh on my birthday and uh and so um it's great for them to have a, a little cousin so we're just visiting uh, visiting my new nephew polly nephew niece polly um and so uh we're just uh bringing you half an hour uh live from from their house so probably i'll have to check the rules these days probably highly illegal uh, for me to be visiting my newborn niece. However, of course, I was in full PPE and uh, taking all the relevant precautions, or not. But uh, anyway, I wasn't going to miss that. So, hope you can hear me. Do give us a shout if uh, if you can. Uh, got a couple of exciting bits of news for you with regards to Therapy Live Sport, um, as well as wanting to discuss with you uh, something that uh, I've been thinking about quite a lot recently, which is what's happened in the last 10 years and i'll come to why that is in a second but do shout out if you can hear me okay uh let me know um, it's always important especially as far as i can tell signals okay in fact it's probably better here than it is in the studio uh but uh not got the fancy microphone so please do let me know as long as you can hear um many thanks to those of you that tuned in uh yesterday and um, some brilliant uh, feedback and, and comments with regards to the chat that i had with adam dobson including from Jonathan Bell. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. You know, we're going to be able to keep conversations like that going. Reflections on a recent podcast. Question I want to ask you guys that are tuning in live, um, seeing that it's uh, ticking up now. As I said before, I think we, we sort of get uh, somewhere between tw 25 and 50 seems to be the range. It's hard to know because you don't always get a live read as to who's tuning in from where. Uh, but then also we get up to a between 800 and 1,000 over the course of a 24-hour period. So really pleased to hear from people that weren't necessarily watching live but listen on their way home from work or or on their way back into work. Hi to Scarsbrook, who's saying he likes the change of scenery. Yeah, it's not quite as, uh, don't mess with your eyes as much as the uh, cardboard boxes, uh, the cardboard boxes, the egg boxes that are behind me on the studio. Um, hi, Martin, coming in from Nairobi. You can hear me loud and clear. That's brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. But amusingly, he's saying on his lunch break, <laughs> I don't know what the time zone is, but I imagine he's he's joking with me there. Matt's made the great point that, of course, that they've conveniently painted the wall. Uh, choose health colours. It's the only way. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here otherwise. That did know that I'd just snub the house forever and a day if it wasn't in the appropriate colours. Uh, for just in case I ever did a show like this from here. So what I want to ask you guys um, and be, I want you to be thinking about. I'm going to muse on this for a second, uh, for a few a few seconds. I'd say, but I, I want to ask you guys what you feel has changed over the last ten years. Be that in MSK practice, be that in wider healthcare, be that in education, the things that I'm most passionate about, but also reflecting on how the world's changed in the last 10 years, for better or worse. What reforms, what changes, what you're pleased with, what are you not? And the reason for that is that I reflected on this the other day that it was my 32nd birthday on Sunday, which wouldn't yet normally even register, if I'm honest. Um, I wouldn't even be giving it much thought. But it so happens that I coincidentally started my career on my 
second birthday, right? It was my 22nd birthday. It was my first day of work, first Monday in my first band five job in a hospital down in Kent, in Margate, in fact. So um, if anyone's listening that, that knew me from back then, um, please don't tell too many stories, but uh, uh, nice, to, nice to hear that you're hearing me. Um, but so that means that then on my 20, on my 32nd birthday, it was then 10 years that I've been practicing uh, as a physio, most of that, of course, in MSK. But it got me to thinking, what's changed, uh, what hasn't, what should have done. Um, also, thinking about what, what contributions I've been able to make, what changes that I've tried to inspire um, for good and for ill, uh, as well as then just broadly, because I'm sad and I'm deep, uh, then thinking about what other things have changed uh, for better or worse over the course of, of that 10-year period. You know, the world has shifted in, in many different ways and back and forth since then. Um, and so I really want to ask you guys as to what your thoughts are, especially if you can give us your take on whether or not you think it's been been for better or for worse in each of those areas, MSK, healthcare generally, education generally, and then, of course, in, in, in current affairs or in the world, let's say, just in general terms, uh, whether we're in a better place or not, um, that would be really valuable. For example, and this is, we're coming back to the comments, uh, I'm going to uh, take my eye off them for a second, but I'm going to come back to them, but this is a great example. So thanks, Tommy Thomas. Great name, by the way, Tommy Thomas. From oh, I think he's joining us on LinkedIn from what it tells me. He said, MSK, no electrotherapy. Yeah, that's a real relevant change, actually. I think it's a good point um, that's, uh, that Tommy's making there in that you're going to have uh, quite a significant shift in styles of practice, modalities that are coming in and out. Um, but interestingly, you know, I'd say no electrotherapy. I'd say that you know, certainly di- therapeutic ultrasound is certainly not as on vogue as it was. However, we've seen things like shockwave or um, uh, neuromuscular stimulation uh, and other types of modalities that are actually increasingly on on vogue, which is interesting. So, I would say, um, yeah, those are the those are the sorts of reflections I'm keen to hear from you on as to what has gone on over the last ten years. What are the changes? Whether you think that they're for better or for worse. So, do get your comments in. I'll be coming back to them shortly. Um, but first, yeah, my my sort of take on the matter. I think that. Um, it sort of weirds me out a little bit. Um, it feels, in many ways, it feels like I've been in in the game for longer than ten years. Um, I think it's because of the the rate of the rate of which I've practiced, and so pretty much straight out of the gates, I was doing fifty fifty five hour weeks, uh, particularly as a clinician, um, pretty early doors, and that has meant that uh, to some extent i feel like i've been a real, on a real roller coaster on a journey i know many people do the same don't get me wrong i'm not saying that that makes it especially unique but um particularly once i was really into msk and, and sport uh, practice i was just getting as much experience as i can getting my hands over and uh, as many bodies as i can uh, in various different contexts and so it feels like you know it just amazes me you know 10 years it, it feels like 30 and maybe that's partly as well because it feels like I've exhausted myself in many ways and gone through many things that that um, I've been enthusiastically poured myself into and, and had some utopian expectations of what could change and then it hasn't done and stuff and so there's maybe some reflecting for me to to think that that potentially some mistakes have been made that might have meant that I look on at my 10 years and think it feels like more like 30 uh feel a bit war weary in, in in some certain circumstances and then other ways I feel energized and inspired in in more ways than ever now one of the things that that Tommy brought up is these styles of practice that have changed now that seems super relevant so when we think about MSK I think about the landscape of which I qualified into 
here and what I was experiencing when I first started going. It felt like the the edge of practice was a person-centered biopsychosocial um, education and rehab style of care. That style of care delivery felt like that was almost a, a more, that was a bit of a niche. That was what those that work more with persistent pain were doing. Um, it was still considered to be the standard care was special tests on assessment, um, trying to use your subjective and objective assessments to give quite pathoanatomical structural diagnoses or to move people into categorical boxes of diagnostics, especially when I think about MSK, which is where I'm going straight away. And then over the 10 years, I would say that now, I mean, I'd hope that 10 years ago, gold standard should have been, you know, when it, when it comes to what reading of the, a sensible reading of the evidence back then was, but I'm saying that the, I would say, you know, throw, throw a dart in, a, in an MSK department in the UK now, and you should have the, the standard practice being the, um, the way in which people now biopsychosocially consider all the factors affecting and dispositions associated to someone's pain experience, rehab hopefully being sort of a core thing that runs through their care, and then modalities being more adjunctive and that people aren't necessarily wanting to pigeonhole and categorically think into, into diagnostics. Now, this is where it's frustrating because I, I kind of end up with these two things that I'm balancing in my mind, and I'm really keen to hear your thoughts as to some days I think over 10 years would definitely have moved in the right direction. However, I think it's a naive reading, even from me, to suggest that then, you know, maybe 20% of care was like that back then. And now 20% of care is, uh, is, is actually the opposite. And it's shifted the majority in such a significant way. I would say that the vast majority still vast majority feels a bit much actually but i'd say that maybe maybe now 50 50 ish but you've still got people that across msk practice in various different disciplines are still actually aspiring someone to a tissue-based diagnosis and using modalities in a way that are sort of central to the care delivery of treatment and that the rehab is almost bolted on and not necessarily the center the education and rehab not being the center of the care delivery I'd probably say that that's still there, but I'd, I'd say that the voice of, it's not a niche voice, right? The idea that, that we've now got uh, functional graded rehabilitation at the heart of care delivery is not a niche voice, particularly when it comes to educational spaces such as this one, which I will definitely come to as well. So you've got that. In MSK, I would say we've moved away from being sort of really modality driven where people have their favorite style of care. Um you got your manual therapists, your electrotherapists, your people that use tape, especially your acupuncturists, uh, your your um, Pilates instructor style care. I mean, you've still got all that existing, but it's more of a melting pot, I think, as standard now, and that people aren't necessarily as as defined by those roles. Um, you don't hear yourself hear people in, introduce themselves into that um, as being their core care delivery as much anymore. I would say. In healthcare in general, I would say we've gone through a really interesting shift in that 10 years. I think one of the big things that I was, it was happening, but it's kind of um, not necessarily accelerated, but become a, a real key talking point in, in UK healthcare is within the NHS, you've got sort of commissioned services, uh, whereby you've got independent sector provisions within the NHS. And oh, that was happening longer than 10 years ago, don't get me wrong. But it's just something that's become more relevant, especially in the field of MSK practice and the care uh, delivery of, of MSK services in the UK. And my my sort of take on this and something we'll chew over in future episodes is that I'm actually a, a, a really big fan of 
anything that creates sensible independence in that sector. And so I'm actually um, a big, I'm a really big fan of commission services, regardless who delivers them, be that NHS trusts or independent uh, providers or charitable trusts or uh, nonprofit um, social enterprises. You know, I've got great examples of practice that exist across it. But I would say that one of my core reflections over what's happened in the 10 years is that that's become something that we should all be more thoughtful about and that the way that that influences policy, the way that that maps onto people's politics, the way that that seems to make a real difference. I would say that that has been a key change. And and I'm admitting to you that I would say that has been a, a negative, sorry, I would say that has been a positive shift, whereas many would uh, infer that that is inherently negative. And, and we can unpack that another time, or if your comments are coming on in that direction, you want me to go further on that, I will explain it. But I would say that's been a core shift in healthcare that maps onto MSK to some extent, but isn't central to it. And I would say that that's a positive thing. There's some caveats to that. I think this is done really poorly in some circumstances. And when generalist services try to then reach into specialist ones or generic large organizations try to then flex into what need to be more specialized in niche areas, I think it's done terribly. Uh, and and the, those things, I think, are better suited as, as nationalized enterprises. But uh, in a general rule, especially where it joins MSK, I think of great examples of social enterprises and independent sector providers and charitable providers giving services that, that are in excess of the quality that was uh, delivered by that, that local primary care trust as they were then or, or whatever it might be that was the, the standard NHS provision that was sort of all centralized through the state. So that's my take on that. Education was the fourth area. So I said MSK, healthcare, education. Um, in education, I, I found that to be the most fascinating thing. And I think that's changed I think it's unrecognisable now, broadly, education in, in uh, across across um, all things that I'm interested in. And, and I mean, outside of healthcare now as well, but the way in which over the 10 years, the podcast revolution, of course, I've been involved in, but just the way in which the advent and utility of social media. So um, even things like Facebook, right? When I joined, when I went to university from 2017, no, I didn't, 2007 to 2010, so 13 years ago to 10 years ago, I was at university and uh, I remember my sister setting me up a Facebook account as I went to university and it, you needed a university login at that point to, to get on there and stuff. It was kind of around then. It hadn't really exponentially grown. Um, and when we were at university, you had things like anatomy TV where you had some rudimentary styles of, of uh, moving, moving anatomical models around on your laptop screen, but you certainly didn't have a smartphone until I was in my third year. At the end of my third year, I remember getting a, an iPhone. So it's, it's the, the, the massive rate of change in that 10-year period about the way in which we understand things and if I'm loosely calling it education but the ability to google something if you've got a question on your phone you'd probably extend that to sort of 15 years but generally speaking I would say you know 10 years that the massive massive changes including the fact that I now live stream this to seven different channels simultaneously on a weekly sorry daily basis at weekdays is, is a massive change not that necessarily this is education heavy obviously more commentary and things like that but just a, a fascinating shift and I would say that the especially with what's happened around COVID and, and you can hold me to this education and delivery of it from institutional levels at schools and universities etc and the credentialing that's going to need to shift from that and the placement to clinical education as well as cpd related education which i'm very involved in um cpd events such as therapy live which we'll talk about in a little while 
I just, honestly, I just don't think that the, 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 the way that the landscape shifted is never going back. And, and the way, if you span that over 10 years, even you could say over two years, yeah. uh, but over 10 years, it's just changed and it will, will never, never be the same again. Now, when it comes to the world stuff, uh, the big, big reflection for me is that there's been huge, huge shifts uh, of, of various different forms um, over the course of time. Um, politically, we could talk about or just socially and culturally and things like that. Some um, brilliant changes that have occurred uh, in, in many ways in terms of rights claims and things like that. I've strong support personally of, uh, of sort of gay marriage and the way in which that came in and the way that to legislate equality uh, of access and, and opportunities is, is sort of it was an exciting threshold for me um to feel that it was especially on a legal doctrinal level it felt like another uh, area in which we really sort of tidied up human rights uh, in many ways there's been other shifts of course politically that are more polarizing um it, over that 10 years but it's just been a fascinating time um some scary stuff going on at the moment as to something i'm sure we'll end up talking about in, in coming shows really um about how it all tidies up and what, what you, what you try to conserve and what you try to reform and how quickly that can be done. And, and, and this sort of culture wars piece of it, as well as for my American, uh, listeners, you know, there's all sorts of turbulence going on at the moment in and around your politics. And so, you know, it's a really challenging time, but that's obviously, it feels like it's recent, but you look at over the 10 years of what that's brought, it just feels like a fascinating time to have been alive and a time for me to have been shaping my career. For those just tuning in, um, then I'm reflecting on 10 years in practice so on my 32nd birthday that signified 10 years from my 22nd birthday which is my first day of my first job that's what we're reflecting on now so let me little, have a little look at the chat box and see if any of you shared any of your thoughts and comments um really interested in your in your uh, opinions on this so thank you so much for those of you that are uh, that are commenting and if you're listening to this after the fact, then please do share your comments. I'd be really interested in your thoughts over what has and hasn't changed across various different things uh, over the last 10 years. And then we'll do this for a few minutes, have a look at some of your comments, and then we'll get on to some therapy live leaks, which I've got to share with you some of the speakers and sessions that we've got planned because it's really exciting. A few, Only a few tickets of that left as well. Um, this is brilliant and, and definitely something I hear a lot of. Katie Napton has said everything goes in cycles, especially if you've been around long enough. Certainly, I feel like I've seen that in 10 years, but certainly those that tell me a lot about it or show me <coughs> um, training materials and things like that from where things do come back around and stuff. I, I've, I've witnessed it, but I've also heard plenty of it as well. I find that to be really interesting. And I wonder what has been out the window that's now going to come back in. Um, I'm really interested what, what feel free to share that as well, especially Katie, if you've got any ideas as to what's been scrapped that, that will come back in and whether that's for good or bad. Um, Tommy Thomas, we're doing more CBT approaches in chronic pain management, special tests in terms of evidence-based practice. I think are no more special. Uh, I think, you know, stuff like that is, I, I see that as being a key key thing in the last 10 years especially when you think about the shoulder that was where there were 101 special tests and the way in which uh, and i i, I tap complete hat tip for me to to what jeremy lewis did to really blow the lid off the the notion of tissue specificity in and around special tests of the shoulder and the way in which he was sort of blowing this idea of impingement wide open was just fascinating and that feels like that was maybe about 10 years ago or it feels like maybe when i was first paying attention to it jim said to me asking if i couldn't be bothered with the studio today 
that's not fair, Jim. You clearly weren't tuned in at the start to hear that I'm over at my sister's because she's just had a baby and so I'm visiting my niece. I'm an uncle for the first time, so I'm excitedly visiting them. It just so happens that we've got Choose Health Colours behind me, which is exciting. But no, I'm not in the studio, but I'm not also at my house. Um, right, let's have a little look at this as well. Joe Turner. Hi, Joe. Hope you're well. She said, I hope this will all foster independence amongst physios, confidence in ideas, opinions, less reliance on tradition and accepted wisdom, particularly in how we deliver care. I think that's something that I'd say on reflection of the last 10 years, I feel that that is something that I've seen wax and wane. And I don't know what my position or take is on it almost when I think about whether confidence is at a, at a higher, at a low. I think that imposter syndrome and the way in which we sort of question ourselves, it can be crippling sometimes. I feel like I, I personally, over the 10 years, have sort of go through these waves of which I feel like I've got my shit together and then all of a sudden I'm I'm uh, I'm struggling again. And, and, and it was an illusion when I thought I was some, had some stability. Now, you don't want to lose your foundations sometimes. And I think that that's sometimes what we find is that people blow away or people think that the, the evidence moves in such a way that then blows the foundations out from under someone's practice and we need to be cautious of that because that's certainly something that can pre predate some burnout uh, which i think is concerning um oh here's some examples i think maybe that uh, katie might be giving uh, with regards to what comes back around so tommy thomas was saying about the fact that traction beds and stuff like that are uh, are less common but katie's making the point in idd um which isn't different it's just more expensive uh, it comes back around absolutely i would say so and i will also say that that speaks to you know i'm a speaker as a, as a proud private practitioner but fundamentally there's some there's some bullshit that's able to thrive in the private sector uh, quietly away. And that's one, one example where uh, inferring, inferring structure, relevant structural changes through fancy ass traction devices, et cetera, makes me concerned. Um, certainly I'm, uh, I'm not happy about that. Um, Here's a great one from Mike James. Hi, Mike. Hope you're good. He's said about lots being changing, especially one of the best things being the collaboration between the professions. That's a really recent, I'd say over the 10 years, I think that's actually got worse and then it feels like it's getting better again. I think interprofessional tribalism was became higher as social media sort of to it being amongst our world more and then i'd say that then uh, it started to improve and reform i would argue uh, in recent times which is really pleasing so I'm, I'm happy with i'm happy with that um some great a great point here so i'm going to mispronounce your surname i'm afraid elizabeth but much oh sorry i'm not going to even try and I'll, I'll be offensive if i try that too many times apologies elizabeth but thank you for your comment it's brilliant to, to see because i agree with it wholeheartedly as a lot of equipment seems to be taken over hands-on therapy as the price comes down as um interesting things that we're coming to realize um we can't do with our hands and and, and realizing that then sometimes gadgets and gizmos become more prevalent uh, they come in waves i'm very rehab centric in my practice admittedly and so i'm uh, always skeptical of machines that go bing but the way in which robotics and wearables and things like that and uh, the way in which it's going to influence our care is is absolutely uh, crucial and, and a massive thanks for, for your comment there elizabeth it's a it's a great one because i've seen that too um, but for better and for worse right so gadgets and gizmos that are just gimmicks and then you've got things that are actually sensible integrated technologies are brilliant as well so i've got five minutes to go um i've got to get this up from from matt scar's book though before i do low-hanging fruit but the changes in understanding of communication around manual therapy um he feels that us and canada have been ahead of the curve but he's thrilled to be involved in the uk catching up now matt's massage matters podcast so google 
uh, and get on your podcast feeds. Massage Matters did a brilliant episode about that, the changes in our understanding of what happens under the, under our hands and how we can influence tissues, um, I think is something that we've got to bear in mind. And um, we've got to really think about the way in which... Um, the way in which that makes a difference. I think the mechanism of effect and our understanding of that is central to what has changed over the last 10 years. But I'm really biased in that direction. I think it really matters what we think is happening or what's going on under uh, it, it, when we deliver care and when we're delivering treatment, especially like what is it? What's the what's the uh, the magic in the in the source, really? Like what is going on that's actually doing the doing? Uh, is fascinating to me and always something that's central to my learning. Um, and I think it makes a big difference. So I agree with you there, Matt. Um, is there anything I disagree with here? Let's have a little look. Evie's made a good point, of course, virtual healthcare. Uh, of course, that's massive change. I'd say not just over the last 10 years, but especially in recent months, you know, it's just been exponential and rightly so. But anyway, I'm going to cut the cut the uh, comments. Please do keep them coming in, but I'm going to uh, not distract myself with that for a few minutes as I tell you a few leaks for Therapy Live Sport. On the 7th of November, for those of you who haven't heard, we're doing a smaller Therapy Live event, still 5,000 people, so it's hardly small, but it's small compared to 22,000, which we had at the main show, which is going to be two or three feeds of education. Um, and... It's a who's who in the swim, bike, run and triathlon fields. And so we've got sessions on and here's some of the leaks for you. Swimmer's shoulder. We're going to have Dan Nichols from swim uh, from the British English, sorry, it's the England swimming team. Uh, he's going to be talking about the swimming shoulder and some lookouts for that. We've got a session on the ITB patients that we don't talk about with a surgeon and a physio. So Claire Robertson and Jonathan Bell, who's physio and surgeon respectively, also happen to be married. So I look forward to them getting stuck into potentially some debate points. That'll be super interesting. But that's going to be a fascinating session. ITB patients that are sort of problem recalcitrant cases, when to intervene, when not to, be that surgically or with injectables, that sort of, sort of stuff. It's going to be fascinating. We've got a session on running shoes. Like, of course, that's a hot topic. So we want to get some of the leading podiatrists in the world to sort of muse on sort of what's going on with that, what they do, what they don't do for performance, for pain, what are the challenges and, and issues that we face. Patients are always talking to us about that sort of thing, especially your triathlon and running uh, patients are wanting to know what footwear they should and shouldn't be using, what the footwear can and can't do. So we're going to have a session on, on running shoes. Ian Griffiths and Simon Bartold already confirmed for that session. So that would be fascinating in itself. What a brilliant panel discussion we're going to be able to have there. We have some athletes that I, I won't announce yet, but we've got some high-level Olympic athletes that are going to be speaking at Therapy Live involved in panels around sort of culture of athletics, et cetera, but also just talking about some of their injury histories and, and the, the pros and cons of therapy and coaching and, and lessons learned over the years of competing at a high level and get overcoming injury. We've also got... Um, medial tibial stress syndrome and describing the circumstances around that lower limb phenomenon that often described as shin splints and why that's a terrible term. We've got uh, sessions on thoracic and periscapular pain and I can announce that Adam Meekins will be speaking on that complex area, no doubt railing against things like uh, massage and manipulation in and around that area but recognising where uh, there is a relevance to those symptoms, when it can be serious, when not, uh, how it can affect cyclists and swimmers, less so in runners but cyclists and swimmers differently. Um, so that'll be a really fascinating session in and around that scapulothoracic complex region. Um, I think that'll do for now. I'll maybe leak some more later in the week, but trust me, just absolute who's who 
um, of of uh, speakers, but also this. It's all about the content and the sessions. Like, think about it that way. It's not just about getting the speakers and they think, right, well, what what can they just speak on just generically? Um, just also, I think it's today we start announcing the sessions and speakers one by one each day. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out on the social media feeds for that. So exciting times. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Check out Therapy Live Sport, 7th of November. Um, I think two thirds of the tickets have gone now. We've actually stopped promoting it for a little while because we want to do a big promotional push, which will sell it out uh, once we announce all the speakers and agenda and stuff like that. We've just been busy doing that. Uh, but yeah, over half the tickets sold out in, in, 48 hours and so check out us on eventbrite or go to any other social media pages and you'll find all the details for getting your ticket there snap it up quickly because i think it probably be if we're announcing the sessions then probably it's going to be available only for a few more days i imagine because i think there's only about 1500 still available so do check that out if you want to it's going to be really applicable to all msk clinicians in private practice and nhs i mean these are the sorts of things that, that are principle based not just high-end and elite sport we've got participation uh, sessions about how we can help with public health in swimming cycling and and running um, a, a variety of different pieces uh, from coaches, athletes, and therapists of the highest order, of course. Um, and so I hope you enjoy that. So that's enough for me today. Many thanks uh, for those of you that have joined to, to, especially with me sort of wondering and, and, uh, and pondering over the last 10 years. I think it's really interesting for us to, to consider how things have changed. So please do keep your Keep your comments coming in because I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing for us all to all reflect on. I see some comments coming in. Thanks, Paul. I'll, I'll check that out after the stream because I need to go. I've been keeping these to time. It's been half an hour, so I better go. He's made a point here. Oh, let's just have a quick look. Don't lump technologies in under the term electrotherapy. We need to be careful about that, he's saying. I think that's a fair point. Um, but sometimes it's uh, electrotherapeutic modalities of, of old, so interferential ultrasound, TENS were the classic things that were trained in, are certainly less on vogue now compared to neuromuscular stimulation and, and shockwave and things like that. So, so yeah, it's a differing and changing market. But um, thanks a lot. Keep your comments coming in. Really appreciate you all. And, uh, and thanks again. Tomorrow, I've got Uzo Eki. On the Ehiogi, uh, I mispronounced that as well. Sorry, um, is um, he's going to be on the show talking about his take on advanced practice, and it's absolutely brilliant. He's got some spicy opinions, and he's just always a brilliant thinker. And so, do join me and Uzo tomorrow for tuning it over. Uh, but thanks a lot for now. Uh, if it all works well, I will I'll leave you with the fancy ass graphic uh, outro, and hope that works. So you've uh, yeah, hope it's all working. Seems to still be. So I'll love you and leave you. All right. See you tomorrow.